Carlo Ancelotti was immediately impressed by the insight and communication skills of coach Paul Clement after being appointed Chelsea boss in the summer of 2009. The pair would go on to win seven major honours together, including domestic titles in England, France and Spain, and the 2014 Champions League with Real Madrid. Who better then to tell us what it's like to be one of Carlo Ancelotti's most trusted lieutenants? My dream is to bring here success. Going back to when you first met him at Chelsea then, when the club appoints Carlo Ancelotti, and I know you'd recently you'd had Mourinho and Scolari and hit him there, but does it generate a buzz? Oh, absolutely. Um, in the Milan team of the 80s, and you know the fantastic Saki team with Carlo and Maldini and Baresi, Rijkaard, Hullet. It's a fantastic side because the way that uh, Saki played in Italy was revolutionary. You know, high pressing, offside trap. It was it was new. So when they went on and won the Champions League twice, you know, people really took notice. Ancelotti, oh, he's weaving some pretty patterns here. And Ancelotti strikes! And Ancelotti scores! What a magnificent goal! Carlo Ancelotti! And then obviously Carlo went on to become a coach then. And the first time I really sort of noticed him as a coach was when he was at, at, at Juventus. And he had all that success at Milan as well. Um, especially in the Champions League, when it was announced that he was going to come, it was like, well, it's going to be amazing. And it would, uh, it would be great for me to be able to observe that kind of person work. Well, when he, when he arrived at Chelsea, he came with... Um, one assistant who was non-pitch based. He was his expertise was in sports science and particularly psychology. So he was supporting Carlo and the players off the field. So you know he inherited a big backroom staff of people that were already at the club. Ray Wilkins was one. Yeah. Um, goalkeeping coach Christoph Lorishon, he was one. The fitness coaches were English fitness coaches, and then. He needed another coach and Frank Arneson, who was the technical director at that point of the club, he said, well, why don't you have a look at Paul? He's been with the academy a while. He's coached the under-18 team. He's coached the reserve team. 
So, you know, we started on a trial basis, absolutely. Uh, first couple of weeks, it included a pre-season tour to the United States, which is this the best time to get to know people when you're away. You know, you're traveling together, um, eating together, and obviously all the training and games that take part during this very intense period. So that was the, that was the start. And I think absolutely he was having a look and thinking, can I work with this coach? You said you had huge expectations of him because of your admiration for him as a player and a coach with Milan. So did he live up to those straight away? Did you realise he was every bit the person you thought he was from afar? Well, I did know him as a person. And, uh, but you know, I knew him a little bit as a coach and what great success he had. But you know, very early on, I could tell the kind of, the kind of coach and the kind of person he was. Um, very calm, very in control, very methodical in his way, good, good relationships with people. And then on the coaching side, that Italian style, you know, very tactical, um, you know, positioning of players, different systems. It was, a, it was a great insight from a very, very early stage. With the coaches he works with as well, he is very inclusive, isn't he? By the sounds of it, you are very much part of his team. It's not him and everybody else. He, he delegates very well, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of his great <clears throat> qualities that you know, he's always had a staff that's been pretty consistent and moved from club to club. And that's changed a little bit over the last uh, two transitions. But before that, it's quite consistent staff. But also... He was very good at integrating the people that were already at the club, whether that be an assistant, um, like at PSG, um, Claude McAuley was there um, when we went to um, when we went to Bayern. Herman Gerland was there when we went to Madrid. It was Zidane and Iero. so he was he was very good at including people that were already at the club and had been established at the club. And that's not just coaches as well; it was doctors and physios and fitness coaches. Very good at that. And I know that um, already having visited Everton, I can see that he's, he's done that as well. The race went right to the wire. But after four years, the Premier League title returns to Chelsea. What sort of culture did he try to establish at Chelsea when he arrived at the club? I think one of respect that was very important to him. And he had, he had experience of managing very big players um, from his time at, at Milan and at, at Juventus as well, and even at, even at Palmer, because you know, if you think of Zola was there at that point. Um, so, yeah, and the Italian national team with, with Saki. So, very good at uh, managing the dressing room. And I think, uh, you know, there's no, there's no ego with Carlo. He's very, very humble. Feet are on the ground. And he comes from, a, you know, his father was a farmer. So, he's got very humble upbringing. And he's kept that going in his career, through his playing career and his coaching career. And I think... Uh, now, I never hear anyone say a bad word about Carlo, and I know why, and I've lived that, and I've been with him for seven years. But at times, 
it's been mis it's been misinterpreted that it can be soft touch, and that's not true at all. That's not true. To be a coach and having that longevity that he's had and that success that he's had with players with at times big egos, you have to have a strong personality yourself and um, you know a hard edge to make decisions. Because when you're when you're coaching a manager, you've got to make tough decisions, and he does that all the time. He's a gentleman, but he's also a very good professional. So I think he's got great balance. What you said about managing the big name players, that's a really precious skill, isn't it? And very few people have it. So why is he so good at doing that? I think he, um, he respects their jobs because he did the job at high level. He understands what it's, what it's like to be a player. He understands what it's like to you know, have a long-term injury, to be left out of a team. Um, to be low in confidence. He knows all that. He's got a great feel for what it's been like as a player. Um, and he's, because of that, that thing about his humility and the importance about respect, he, he, he treats players with respect. And he expects that in return. And that's non-negotiable. Um, he has to make difficult decisions. The players need to understand that. And at the same time, he understands being a professional footballer is very difficult. So he has empathy with that. So I think he managed the relationships with players very, very well over, over his career. It is such a difficult balance to strike as well, isn't it? Because players, and this has been the case at Everton, players like him and there's a close relationship individually with all of the players. But they will all say the same thing. They know he's the boss. It's the, I think it's one of the hardest balances to get as a, as a coach. You go too far one way, then you, lose con you can lose control um, of the dressing room. And if you go too far the other way and are, are you know, too tough and ruled by the iron fist, if you like, you can also lose control. So you're constantly fighting that, um, that balance of, you know, you're part of the team. We're all in this together. But at the same time, someone has to be the boss and the head coach or the manager is the boss. Some managers today talk about wanting their teams to play with a certain identity, but Carlo is very clear that he doesn't want the team to have one identity. He, he wants to be very flexible in how they approach games. Has that always been the case, or was it throughout the time you worked with him? Yeah, no, absolutely, and it's something that I've I've used as well um, in my own managerial career when I've gone anywhere. I think it's important, and Carlo always has, he has an idea of how he, how he wants football to be played. But what he doesn't try and do is get players to do what they can't do or they're not comfortable doing. So I saw the style and, and the systems evolve um, over the different clubs from Chelsea to PSG was slightly different to how it was in Madrid, was slightly different to how it was in, in Bayern. So... Now, he's very good at that, at assessing the talent and deciding how to best play. How to best play. So, so he, chose, he chose the system which best suits the players. And that, that's, for me, that's absolutely the right way to do it. He said he has fundamental principles on how he wants a game to be played. So what would that be? How would he like his teams to look ideally, do you think? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, first of all, a team that creates, creates goals and scores goals. Um, I think he, he likes the team to have the ball, but he's not obsessed with the team having the ball. So not, not a team that passes just for the sake of passing, just keep the ball for the sake of keeping the ball. He likes the team to have an idea of when you, when you keep the ball, there's an objective at the end of it, and that should be to create a chance or, or score a goal. Um, defensively, you know, really good organisation, compact shape, you know, winning the ball back as quick as possible, of course. Um, but other than that, you know, it's, it's about being compact. And in the transitions as well, and this is really important in modern football, the use of the counter-attack is a great threat. So that was something that we, we worked on on all the teams, the, uh, the counter-attacking. And of course, when you're losing the ball, trying to get it back as quick as possible. But if you can't, making sure the team's nice and compact and solid. There's this misconception around him that he goes to these big clubs, just applies a light touch and everything takes care of itself sometimes. Mm -hmm. When you went to PSG and won the title, but hadn't won it for 19 years, had they? There's a lot more substance to him than some people might have you believe. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think, um, I think the, the profile of his career now and the, the balance of the clubs is, is different. I think you know, when you put Milan with Chelsea, um, Real Madrid and Bayern, they're obviously some of the most elite, elite clubs that there are. But I know that Paris Saint-Germain was a totally different experience and project to Real Madrid, for example, and Bayern. And then his experience at Napoli would have been totally different. And now he has another totally different experience. So if you put, uh, yeah, if you certainly, if you put PSG, Everton, um, and going back before that, uh, Nap so Napoli, Parma, yeah. Reggiana, now you've got a balance of you know, good, good clubs um, and then you've got some others that are very historical and right at the very elite level. So I think there's a really balanced profile in there. You talked about his calm demeanour and he does always seem, even if his team has anything, any big disappointment, say when you're at Real Madrid and you lost a league title by two points or you lost a Champions League semi-final, you still see the same. You still see the same Carlo in public. Is that how he is? Quite phlegmatic. Oh, I think he's got a fantastic temperament, and you know you don't manage those huge clubs, those mega clubs, without having that that control about you. Um, I thought it was one of his great qualities because when you're working at that level, the pressure is immense. So you can't be hot-headed, you can't be flying off the handle, you can't be emotional, too emotional. Of course, inside, I'm sure. And I know that there's been times when he's been nervous and he's been anxious and sometimes he's not been sure. But it wasn't that many times. Most of the time, and this is a sign of a good leader, knows what he wants, knows what needs to be done, knows what needs to be said at the right moment. And, um, you know, I respect that a lot and didn't really understand it until I became a manager myself. Um, because the sort of spotlight and the scrutiny that you're under is, is massive, um, and especially when you're at those huge clubs. By the same token, he knows how hard it is to win things, and he's told us when he does win things, he makes sure he enjoys it and 
he's singing all the songs and everything. So have you seen that side of him? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think when I was um, when I was with him, we were nine trophies, nine trophies in my time when I was with him. That included, you know, in, uh, FA Cup and league titles, European Cup. So World Club Championship. We, yeah, we enjoyed some amazing times. And you have to enjoy those moments. You work so hard for them. And to win those, you know, a league title or a European Cup, there's so much, um, so much work goes into it. A lot of suffering. Um, and when you get there, you have to enjoy it because it's gone so quickly. You know, although it's there, it's there in the memory and that's there in history, but to the elation of it, it goes very quickly because they expect it again. Yeah. It's expected again. So you have to move on fast, right? Who are the new signings? What are we going to do next season? Um, so you have to enjoy. And we, we certainly enjoyed some fantastic moments, uh, lifting the trophies and celebrating. He's told us he's a good singer as well. Can confirm or deny? No. <laughs> Definitely but not. He's you know, the boss, so you have to say, oh, great voice, fantastic. Yeah. I've seen he doesn't, never confident, confident, doesn't, never turns down an opportunity to, to sing. Um, I think his biggest stage was probably when we won the Champions League, 85,000 at the Bernabeu. He sang the, like, one of the Madrid anthems. But then I saw him uh, at a Bayern Christmas party. He was singing with a, I can't remember the artist, a big, big, um, big pop star female that he was singing with on stage. So he's very confident, yeah. but I'm not quite sure the ability's there, the voice is there. Just on Bayern, you left there halfway through the season to take the job at Swansea. Was that something you discussed with Carlo and did you take his advice on that? Well, I'd been in between uh, Real Madrid and Bayern. I'd been a manager. I'd gone yeah. to Derby and it didn't work out. Um, certainly how I would have liked. Um, and then after that, I was waiting for another really good position and Carlo said, you know, I'm going to Bayern, would you like to come? And of course, great opportunity then to work with Carlo again and go to a club like that. So I, I did go back and I really enjoyed it again, but still had this feeling inside me that, you know, I wanted to have that, you know, I wanted a coach again. I didn't think it would happen that quickly. I know I certainly didn't plan to go there for six months and then leave because um, I'd already gone before, I'd already left before to become a manager. So, but so happy to go back and then you know, I had that opportunity to become the manager so I called him and of course we discussed I asked him what he thought he said you know Paul it's your decision um, I'll support you in it and he did that and I, I chose to go for it and I'm glad I did um, and at the same time it wasn't an easy decision because you know I so enjoyed working with Carlo and I was enjoying working at Bayern as well are there elements of Carlo's management you've taken into your own job? I know you've got to find your own way and do your own things, but do you take some of the things you learned from him and observed? Oh, 100%. And a lot of things as well. 
and a really a lot of things. And he is the, uh, you know, I've had, a, I've had a lot of positive influences on my career and still try and be open-minded and continue to learn and find out, you know, what's new and try and, try and stay ahead of the curve and always develop. But he is absolutely single-handedly the most influential person and coach in my professional career. And also it's great pleasure to be a, a, a good, you know, a good friend now as well. So we keep in touch and our families are friends as well. So I've already been, I've been, I've been to Everton once. I've been, stayed at his house and he took me out for dinner with, um, with Duncan, the legend as well. He was there. So I've been out. Yeah, it was good. The three of us went out for dinner in Liverpool and, um, yeah, I went to Finch Farm and I watched training. The hailstones were coming down. Yeah, that'll be about right. <laughs> so, what of all those things you said you've taken from him, what's the biggest one? Oh, it's so difficult. So difficult to pick one. Um, and I actually had a call with him after I'd first left and gone to Derby. And uh, I gave him a call and said, Carlo, when I was working with you, um, I knew I was learning a lot. It's only now that I've become a manager that I've realised I was actually learning even more than I thought, but on a subconscious level, because things were coming up and it made me think, oh, what, what, would Carlo, what did Carlo do in that situation? How he would have managed that? Um, so, of course, I still, yeah, I still, I still use like, so many things, so many things. and keeps it in play. Sidibi, early cross, Calvert-Lewin, off the post and in! Everton lead, a flying header from Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And is it the one that brings Carlo Ancelotti victory in his first game as Everton manager? Um, from everything you've said, I imagine you think Everton getting it was something of a coup. No, of course. I think there was a few clubs, you know, when he'd left Napoli, there was, there was a few clubs that were, were interested. Oh, first of all, I was really glad to see him back in the Premier League because um, I think it was unfortunate 10 years earlier that he left Chelsea having come second in the league yeah. um, with the year before having won the double. See a top coach and a lot of people very fond of him in, in England. And I know that he has great affection for working in England and the Premier League as well. And when he went back, I thought, you know, that's great. And a lot of the world-leading coaches are in the Premier League now. Um, and Everton, you know, Carlo's a humble, down-to-earth guy. He's so, you know, I can see that being a good match. You know, good for Everton and also good for Carlo. I believe he's settled well in the area. He's very much part of life in Liverpool. And, you know, I know he wants to try and build the team and make it very successful. You've been listening to Knowing Carlo, an official Everton podcast series. Download all episodes now via your preferred podcast app.